Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Smy Street Church weekly podcast. Pastor Wayne has some great encouragement for us today. We're really glad that you're with us for that. You know, we believe that church is more than singing and learning together. It's community and connection. And we'd love to connect with you. So head on over to our website, ssc.church. Click the I'm new button. We'd love to hear your story and see how we can inspire each other to follow Jesus. Let's listen in. Three things I want you to know as I get started that we are reading through the book of Hebrews, as you know, as a church. I would encourage you to go online or pick one of these up in the foyer and follow along with us. We are 10 days in, but that's, that's not, Hebrews is not a very big book, so you can easily catch up. And we'd love for you to follow because we're encouraging our entire church family to read along through the book of Hebrews. Uh, secondly, we are doing a series on the, on the book of Hebrews called Greater Than. And last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy introduced the series by talking to us about greater than the angels. And I think a lot of our community groups as well are following through the scriptures in the book of Hebrews and having discussion about it. So this is a good thing for our church to do collectively. Uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about greater than Moses, greater than Moses. And you might be wondering, I'm sure you probably know uh, to a great degree what this might be about, but as I was preparing, I was praying, God, don't let this be just a theological lesson or, you know, as good as that is, or a Bible lesson that's wonderful, but help us to make this applicable to 2024. Help us to make this applicable to where we live and how we live our lives. And I believe that it is indeed going to be applicable to our lives. It's important for us to just reiterate a couple of things. Number one, what is the purpose of the book of Hebrews? Why was the book of Hebrews written? Why did God include it? And I would say this, to reinforce the supremacy of Jesus in the heart and mind, now particularly in the heart and mind of Jewish believers who had come to know Christ, but of course it, it applies to all of us. It is a book about the supremacy of Jesus. He's greater than the angels, greater than the prophets, greater than Moses, greater than the law. The second thing, as we have on the screen, is to dissuade them, the people to whom it was written, to, to avoid going back on their faith. That they, they slip back and say, oh, I don't know about Jesus and maybe I need to go back to my old system. The way that it used to be and the sacrifices in the temple because these were Jewish converts. And so the book of Hebrews, the goal of the book of Hebrews was, listen, I want to persuade you to hang on to Jesus. I want you to stay true to Jesus because this is, this is essential. This is critical. So right away, we can see an application for us from the book of Hebrews. It's almost like I can see the writer sitting down and, 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 you know, thinking, and these were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and writing these thoughts down. And I, I'm thinking that if I could get inside the mind of the writer, it might be something like this, that the writer would be saying, if I can only get them to see 
just how awesome Jesus really is. What the person of Christ is, the position of Christ, the role of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. If I could get them to see all of that, then this would be encouragement enough to help them to stay true to Jesus. I want to say that with all of the amazing things that we get to experience as a part of a church community and say, I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to, you know, and certain things we know we're going to start to do and certain things we have. Can I say this? And this is very important to what I want to say. The most essential element for you to hang on to your faith and to stay true and loyal to Christ is to know just exactly who Jesus is. And I'm going to reiterate that several times, and as I come to a close, I'm going to come back to it again. This is the essential element of following Christ, is that you know how great Jesus is. So in the book of Hebrews, as we see, the purpose and the goal is very applicable to us, that we would see the supremacy of Christ and that we would be persuaded to hold on to Jesus with everything we've got. And so the writer of Hebrews, he starts out in, in chapter 3, he says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as the apostle and high priest. So he says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Concentrate on him. Make sure you focus on him. Don't let your thoughts wander, but think on him. And he starts the verse off by saying, therefore. So, we're wondering, why did he say therefore? Therefore, there's something preceding chapter 3, verse 1, that puts the therefore there. And so we're asking, why is the therefore? What is it therefore? Okay, all right. All right. Are you ready? So take a deep breath, because I'm going to just give you the full cannon right now. I'm just going to turn the, I'm going to turn the fire hydrant on, and I'm going to give you the great, all of the, what the therefore is about, and here's what it is. It is about Jesus, who is greater than the prophets and the angels, who is the brightness of God's glory, who is the express image of his person, who upholds all things by the word of his power, who is crowned with glory and honor, who is the pioneer of our salvation. Okay, take another breath. Let's keep going. Who was made perfect through what he suffered, who shared in our humanity, who broke the power of the devil, who frees those who are held in slavery, who was our merciful and faithful high priest, and who made atonement for our sins. Do you know something? All of that is just in the first two chapters of Hebrews. There's like, what, 11 more chapters to go? So obviously we see what the message is. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Therefore, seeing how awesome he is, seeing what he has accomplished for us, seeing just how important his role is, seeing the supremacy of Christ, then it stands to reason. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Here's two questions I want to ask you. I don't have them on the screen, so you're going to have to listen. Do you have good auditory uh, perception process? Do you, do you, are you a good listener? Well, here's two questions for you. The first question is this. Can a full understanding and experience of salvation exist 
without a proper understanding of the person and work of Christ. Now, I think we probably know that the answer is probably obvious for those who are believers, but I want you to think about it anyway. Can a full understanding of salvation, you know, for all of you theologians out there, which I, you know, I only aspire to be a theologian, I love to study, but you know what, a good soteriology, is that, am I saying that correctly? The study of salvation must be, uh, must be predicated upon or built upon a solid Christology. If you don't understand who Jesus is, then you won't understand what New Testament salvation is. If you think it is just, you know, I'm going to belong to a church, I'm going to be a part of a great group of people, I'm going to volunteer and do some awesome things, surely I must be saved because that must be what constitutes New Testament salvation. I would direct you back to a good Christology because if you understand who Jesus is, then you can understand what New Testament salvation is. The second question is this, can the work of the church be truly meaningful and effective without Jesus being at the center of everything we are and everything we do. Again, you may say, I think the answer is pretty obvious there, but I want you to think about it. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that Jesus is absolutely the center and the core and the foundation and the circumference and everything in between of all that we say, of all that we do. He is all that motivates us. He's the one that has changed us. This is the reason why we gather on Sundays and at other times. This is the reason we do what we do is because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now you say, Wayne, that's Christianity 101, but here's the thing. Why was the book of Hebrews written? Because he's saying it is easy to drift from that truth. It is easy, maybe it's not easy, maybe I shouldn't say it's easy, but it is possible to drift from that truth. You say, what in the busyness of the church and all that we do and, and, and everything that happens here, do you say that it is possible to go back on that essential truth? I say, yes, absolutely, it is possible. Because in our busyness and in our doing. And in the things we may put our hope in and, and our trust in and say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and that and so on, we may miss the very essential element of being a Christian. Can you imagine? And that is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, not just as a theory, not just as some uh, distant concept of theology, but as a practical, everyday experience in our life. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. This is essential. Now, uh, let, me, let me go on a little bit further. Even the other uh, New Testament writers, uh, you know, ex they expound on this. For example, Here's Philippians chapter 2. God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And to that we say, Amen. You see, this is what Hebrews is about. Now, he goes for the gold. He says, greater than the prophets, for sure. Greater than the angels, absolutely. 
Now he goes for the gold. And he says, also, he is greater than Moses. Remember, these are Jewish believers, Jewish converts. So now he's really, he's trying to hit it out of the park. He's really going for the gusto. Here's what he says. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, speaking of Jesus, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house is, has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. He goes on to say this, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firm to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So in verse 3, this is the key verse of what we're talking about when we say Jesus is greater than Moses. He says Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Now, what is this all about? What does this mean? Okay, he's greater than Moses. Uh, what, did, he, did he do better things than Moses? Was he better looking than Moses? I, what do you mean he's greater than Moses? There's so much in this. So to these Jewish believers, what they were needing to hear through this is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the moral code and the ritualistic law that Moses gave. He is the one to which Moses and the law was pointing. And so remember what I said? The goal was don't go back. Don't go back to those sacrifices which, which were temporary and could not meet man's need or relieve or remove our sin. He was saying Jesus is the greatest the ultimate, the final sacrifice for sin. And all that you need to live a holy life and a righteous life is bound up in Christ. It is not in these regulations that were impossible to keep. In fact, if you know what the Bible says about the law, it was a schoolmaster or a tutor to bring us to Christ. And so he's saying to them that Jesus is greater than Moses. He's the fulfillment. He's not just part of the Mosaic house. He's the builder of the household of faith. He's greater than all. And so to these Jewish believers, they'd be saying, wow, we can't go back on this. This is God's plan. Jesus is the ultimate expression of the invisible God and the sacrifice for our sin. We just cannot go back. But what about us? What does that mean for us? I can understand the correlation between, you know, the Jewish believers who were beginning to follow Jesus, needing to hear this. But what does this mean to us? Here's what I would say about that. Are you putting your hope in following religious rules? I think this is the applicable application. Are you putting your hope in having a good moral code? Well, what could possibly be wrong with that, I, to have a good moral code? How are you trying to atone for your sins? Are you trying to atone for your sins and shortcomings by being a better person or keeping certain religious rules or rituals? 
Or are you trying to, am I trying to create a righteous life through my good deeds and say, well, if I could just be good enough, if I could go to church often enough, if I could volunteer enough, if I could change some of my bad habits, you know, then, then, you know, then we are probably just like those early Jewish believers who were thinking, you know, maybe the old system is better. Maybe this is what it's all about. I'm going to, here's the driving point that I want you to take with you today. That will leave you empty. That will leave you disappointed. That will leave you spiritually dead and dry if you think it's just about being a better person, having a good moral code to live by, keeping the religious rules, making sure we, you know, do the right things. In essence, there may be nothing wrong with some of those things, like who, what, what is wrong with a moral code? But unless we say no, Jesus is the center of everything about my life, my spiritual vitality, his grace, his mercy, his power, his ability to change my life, the greatness and supremacy of Christ. You see, if it's just about a moral code, if it's just about trying to do the right things, we're going to be sadly disappointed and feel very empty, and it won't keep you. It won't keep you. I want to show you a better way. And the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the better way. You see, we're saying greater than, but I want to also add that word better because Hebrews presents Jesus as greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than the law, who brings us to a better way. There is a better way. My heart goes out to someone, could be right here, someone online, my heart goes out. May the Holy Spirit make this moment real to you. Because, because maybe there's somebody saying, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to change my ways because, you know, I hear about this Christian stuff and it's just, you know, I, I think I need to give it a go. I need to give it a good, good real good try. And I'm trying to, trying to make a change. Can I, can I say politely? Can I say respectfully? Can I say kindly and lovingly? You are missing the point. It's not about any of that stuff. As good as it may seem or seem to be, but it's leaving you very, very frustrated. It's leaving you, you probably say, I don't know. You talk about the joy. I don't know where the joy is. I just find there's a lot of hard work. They talk, the writer of Hebrews said, there's a rest for the people of God. Where does this come from? It's when we cease from our own works and we say, Jesus, you are the one that makes the difference in my life. It is the supremacy of Christ that makes all the difference. Let's go on. The law made nothing perfect. Hebrews 7 and Hebrews 8 tells us this. The law made nothing perfect. A better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. He is the mediator of a new covenant established on better promises. Better, 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 
better. He is greater than Moses. He is greater than the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is a better sacrifice. He's supreme. He is ultimate. He entered into heaven for our sake in God's presence. Jesus is superior to all. He is the better way. And that, my friend, is the essence of Christianity, that Christ is at the center and we must embrace him. So you might be sitting there. Some of you might be sitting there saying, okay, okay, Wayne, like that's, that's basic stuff. That's Christianity 101. I get it. But I'm afraid that we could be just like maybe these Hebrew believers to whom the writer said, be careful. Fix your thoughts on Jesus lest you drift away and we discover well maybe this would be a good discovery it would it would be it would precede a change it's like you know what i've realized that i'm in this for the wrong reasons i've been kind of riding along just you know on on the good things i'm trying to do and the friendships i have with there's nothing wrong with that i realize that i need to shift my focus back to jesus he needs to be the center of everything that I am about. You see, Jesus is greater than the prophets, the angels, and Moses. Jesus is better. He's greater than. He's better than. And I'm going to introduce you to one more before we close. Jesus is more than. He is more than a lowly carpenter who taught radical love and forgiveness for all. He's greater than, he's better than, and he's more than. Now, to illustrate this, how many have ever heard of the, the media campaign, the social media, the uh, you know, uh, media campaign called He Gets Us? How many have heard of that? Raise your hand up high. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious. Wow. That's interesting. Interesting. So, it's a worldwide campaign. How many watched the Super Bowl? Wasn't that an awesome game? That was a really good Super Bowl game. In the Super Bowl, they played an ad called He Gets Us. I wonder if you, if you watched the Super Bowl, you might have seen that. Say, so, well, okay, get to my point. Get to your point, Wayne. Okay, here we go. He Gets Us is a campaign to portray Jesus as someone who gets us. Someone who is approachable. Someone who is relatable, someone who understands the rebel, someone who understands the broken person, someone who understands the sinner, someone who understands suffering. And, and you know what? What could be wrong with that? They, on their website, they say, he gets us is a movement to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible and his confounding love and forgiveness we believe his words, example, and life, and that they have relevance in our lives today and offer hope for a better future. Well, let me just show you a clip, and then you see what he gets us is all about. So let's take a look at that right now. Hate is loud. It uses all its breath and then some to shout its selfish causes and to spew its vile venom. It's obsessed with division and distress. With its gain and its success at another one's expense, hate is loud. But love is louder. It is patient, it is kind, 
It is gentle, but it is strong. But it's a different kind of sound. It doesn't shout or raise its voice. It's love's whisper that is loud. A whisper like a song, or like the rushing of the wind. It reverberates and resonates, it amplifies within. Love is louder. I like that. And so there are, they're pouring millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And so listen, I want to just underline this, and, and especially online, you know, uh, I, want to, I, I want to emphasize this. This is not a criticism. I'm not giving a criticism of He Gets Us. Neither am I giving a full explanation. I don't know enough about He Gets Us and who's behind it and so on. But just based on watching clips like that, I say, yeah, that's pretty cool. Jesus, he, he's, he doesn't want hate, and he spreads love, and absolutely, you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you certainly see a Jesus who loved the radical, loved the rebel, and we say, that's, that's pretty awesome, that, that's wonderful, and so, you know what, there's no doubt, maybe some of you uh, online, some of you here today say, you know, I hope you're not going to criticize that, Wayne, because, because that's, that's what first attracted me to Christianity, what, what attracted you? It's just the person of Jesus. Like, he was so loving. He was so kind. He loved the outcast. And so, I hope you're not going to criticize that because that's what drew me to Christianity is the person that I saw who Jesus was. I think you know where I'm going. But if that's the only view we have of Jesus, then that view is incomplete. There's something more we need to embrace about Jesus. You know, you, I'm speaking to you today, and probably the vast number of people that are listening to me right now would say, uh, when I say, oh, don't reject Jesus, don't reject him, you would say, what? I'm not going to reject Jesus? What are you talking about? I would never reject him. But can I make you think a little bit about this? We would never reject Jesus. I don't think it's possible. But you know what I think is perhaps more probable? Is that we could minimize Jesus. He could be that nice person who did nice things. That we kind of know he's the reason why we do the stuff we do. That's Jesus you know, but we minimize him, maybe not even intentionally, but just, you know, kind of we, we minimize Jesus. I'm here to say this. Hebrews is an admonition to think more clearly and more deeply about Jesus. And some of you are doing that right now. That he is not just the humble carpenter who loved the outcast and sat at the well and talked to the Samaritan woman. That's beautiful. That's powerful. He is the Lord of all creation. He is the one who atoned for my sin. He is the one who will judge heaven and earth. He is the one who is God manifest in the flesh. And so the Hebrew said, don't drift away from that. Listen, if your only anchor is in Jesus, the guy who was very loving and forgiving, and that's where you stop, 
Or if your only anchor is, yeah, I kind of like that Christian stuff because, you know, those folks down there at Smite Street, they are so friendly. I just like those people, you know. If your only anchor is in the niceness of the people that you see associated with the church, and I sure hope you've seen some niceness. I so hope you haven't seen meanness, which unfortunately can happen sometimes. But if that's your only anchor, then I think you are at risk of drifting. Because those things could come and those things can go. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the rock upon which we have founded our faith. And our faith needs to be absolutely in Jesus. He is Savior of the world. He is atoned for our sin. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. You know, we say, I want a Jesus. And I know that, that we have some wonderful ministries at our church, one of which is, is mentoring uh, kids um, on, on Tuesday evenings to, to, to follow Jesus in their creative arts and abilities and to follow Christ and they're being mentored. And part of their mentorship has included this particular item right here. And, and it's like Jesus is not just intimately approachable. He is also infinitely awesome. And unless we see that full aspect of Jesus... You know, we say, I only want a Jesus that is approachable, and he gets us. Then you're going to miss the awesome greatness that captures our heart with awe and reverence. And we need that. Or if you only see him as infinitely awesome, you might miss the fact that he is graciously humble and willing to associate with those who are broken and sinful. We need the full picture of Jesus. And he is the one we follow. And the supremacy of Christ is the anchor that holds us. I want to ask you right now, is Jesus the one that keeps you in the faith? I thought of this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Sing it out. On Christ the Son. Sing it. Rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, you see, this is old language. But did you notice in that verse it says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. If you're like me, you're probably scratching your head. Trust the sweetest frame? What are you talking about? Going to a store and buying a frame for a picture? What? No, you know what that's talking about? However you could frame your life is a beautiful picture, you know, with, with earthly circumstances. I'm going to frame it with, oh, I've got good friends. Oh, it's awesome to have good friends. 
Who doesn't want good friends? My life is framed with some good leaders. You know, you got that Wayne Flowers guy, and you got that Werner Drost, and you got, you know, Chad and, and Heidi and, uh, and Jeremy and all these pastors and staff and Jill and, and all the people who serve in, in the church team and then all these volunteers. Oh, I'm, I'm framing my life with all those wonderful people. Do you know what he said? He said, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Oh, I'm serving God because the circumstances are so good and the church is so awesome and the band. Who, who, who wouldn't like this great guy Cam here on the keyboard doing such a great job? And you know, and, and you know what? They've got great lighting and I just love that church and I've got great, I've got the sweetest frame. I'm not prophesying anything. And I trust that God continues to let us have all this. It's beautiful. But it's not my trust. That's not where my trust is. It's not in the beautiful circumstances that God gives me, the beautiful friends. I hope I always have good friends. I hope I always have great people to worship with and pray with. I, I'm, I, I'm sure that I will. I'm trusting I will. But he says, I don't trust that. I don't trust the sweetest frame. But I wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock. Can I say that unless Christ is your solid rock, you're on shaky ground. Unless, unless you've got him as, you know, think about this. He, that's what Hebrews said. Think about it. Think about it. Think clearly about it. Is Jesus the reason why you're doing what you're doing? He's everything to me. He's everything to me. And when other things may fall away or get shaky or someone disappoints me, someone falls into sin, someone breaks their, my trust in there, I'm just crushed by it. Jesus is the one. I keep my eye. You know, many years ago, the elders in the church, you know what they told me? You know what they told me, Russell? I remember them telling me over and over again. Here's, here's what they told me. Uh, Wayne, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because other things are going to disappoint you. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus because he's the one that you're following. When darkness seems to hide I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil On Christ Come on, sing it out. why I am a Christian. Now, at this precise moment, somebody online, somebody here, you might say, you know, I'm thinking about this. Following Jesus. Could you just close your eyes with me for a moment? Think about this. In the attitude of prayer, while the Holy Spirit is here and present, while Christ is drawing our hearts, do you want to follow Jesus? Are you making a decision today to follow Jesus? Are you making a decision right now to make him? You can do that. To make him the Lord of your life. He's the one that is first and foremost in my life. We're going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask every single person, if I may, if I may, ask every single person in this building to pray this prayer. 
You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. You can pray it in your own words. But I'm going to lead us. And everyone, everyone's going to pray this prayer as if you were praying it for the very first time. As if you were praying it for the very first time. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I surrender control of my life to you. Come what may, I'm making a decision today that I will be a Christ follower, that I will follow you, Lord Jesus Christ. You will be the one to whom I give my allegiance, the one to whom I give my whole heart. I will serve you faithfully with your help and by your grace. Jesus, I believe you atoned for my sins. You took my sins on the cross. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again for my justification. Jesus, I make the decision to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I really believe that some of you really prayed that prayer. Maybe some of you for the first time. Or maybe it brought you back. It's recentered you. It's a, yeah, wow. I've, re, I've just reaffirmed what this is all about. It is about following and knowing Jesus. If you prayed that prayer or you've got questions, online you can send us a note, you know, share some comments. If you're here today, we'll talk to you today or talk to you this week. Or you can talk to somebody. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, don't keep it to yourself, but share it with someone today. Amen? God bless you. You're beautiful people. Let's stand and sing it one more time. On Christ the soul, rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is... One more time. Lift your hands and sing. On Christ the soul, rock I stand. All other sense God's presence with us here today in a very beautiful way. Be respectful of that. Be, be kind to one another. Tell someone you love them. Tell someone you care about them. Tell someone you'll be praying for them this week and encourage one another. God bless you. We're so glad that you've joined us. You know, you are part of something bigger and we want to invite you to get involved, to really be part of the team. You can help make ministry happen either by volunteering or by financially partnering with us. If you'd like to give, you can head over to ssc.church give and you can even sign up for automatic withdrawals so that you know that your money is consistently making a difference and you are inspiring others to follow Jesus. Why not start today? Head on over to ssc.church slash give and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you in the week to come.